0: I can tell you. (laughs) Uh, John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, and all-sufficient word. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, of spikenard, very costly, And anointed the feet of Jesus And wiped his feet with her hair And the house was filled With the odor of the ointment Then saith one of his disciples Judas Iscariot, Simon's son Which should betray him Why was not this ointment sold For three hundred pence And given to the poor This he said not that he cared for the poor But because he was a thief And had the bag And bare what was put therein Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Father, thank you this morning. We just be still and know that you're God. (laughs) <laughs> You've been so good to us. And we just, we just lift up this service to you this morning. I ask you to let your Holy Spirit have control of not only what's said, but of what's heard. And I pray, Lord, as we ready ourselves for the invitation time, that we would be willing even right now to say yes, whatever you want us to do. Maybe to be saved, maybe to be a missionary, maybe to be a staff member, Maybe to join this church. Maybe just to repent of something. Lord, whatever you want us to do, may we say yes, even before we know what it is. We love you. We thank you and praise you for everything you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A lot of things Jesus did while he was on this earth. Many were intrigued by his works. Uh, No one had ever turned water into wine. No one had ever took a man who never had walked, touched him, and suddenly he was leaping. No one had ever been able to touch lepers and they would be cleansed. No one had ever cast out demons. Nobody could perform the miracles like Jesus performed the miracles. So a lot of people were intrigued by his works. But they were also intrigued by his words he uh, told parables. Taking a parable as a heavenly truth and then putting it into earthly words. John the Baptist was a great preacher of this time, but no one could tell parables like Jesus could tell parables. Now, the reason for that is because nobody had ever come from heaven before. He had been in heaven. He could take a heavenly truth and make it an earthly parable. Uh, No one else. So they were interested in his words. There were a lot of people inspired by his ways. They even tried to duplicate his ways, but they couldn't do that because they weren't who Jesus was. And although there were many that were intrigued by his works and his words and inspired by his actions, there are very few that we ever find really worshiping the Lord, really just mm, worship. Uh, They loved what he did. They love what he said. They liked how he acted. But despite all of his works and all of his words and all of his ways, worship is not based on those things. Worship is based on who he is. He is. People are excited in a society that we live today. They want to see miracles done. They're excited about his works and his words and his ways, yet many people come week after week after week, punch the religion clock, I've been to church, I've been to Bible Day, I've been to small groups, whatever it's called in our church here. I've been to all that stuff there. Now I'm ready to go home, I'm going to have an afternoon nap, and this day belongs to me now. And I'm out of here. And they've never been wrapped up in what really true worship is all about. Listen to me this morning. He's our creator. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. He's not only our creator. He's our sustainer. I hear people tell me all the time, I just don't want to make that man upstairs mad. You know, you make him mad, he's allowed to zap you like he's sitting up there waiting to zap you. He don't have to zap you. All he's got to do is cut the air supply off and you'll drop dead. That's all he's got to do. He don't have to zap you. He's our sustainer. He's our healer. He's our encouragement, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley. He's my Savior, my Redeemer, and He's a coming King of glory. If you think this is the best there is, you you just, mm, your head's in the sand. Where we're going from here can't be compared to anything we've ever had. We've got folks come week after week never get excited about what Jesus has done. I thank God for what he's done. I thank God for what he says. I thank God for the actions. But we worship him because of who he is. And when you come to the 12th chapter of John, Mary, I love it, she's not doing it to impress anybody else. She's not doing it to be popular. She's not doing it because it's an fad thing to do or fitting in or performing. She, You see, Jesus meant something to her. He meant so. He was special and she worshipped him. And sometimes, woo, sometimes, when you get caught up worshipping Jesus, you just let it all hang out. You don't worry about what your neighbor said. You don't worry about what they're going to say when they get on the parking lot. You just let your hair down. Now, i but let it all hang out because I don't have very much hair. So, if I had a head full of hair, like uh, Brother Allen there, I'd be a different title today, but I don't. But when you get wrapped up in worshiping Jesus, you won't care who likes it and who doesn't. You you you, you don't care if your neighbor likes it. You know you're gonna. You won't care who's watching you. I read a story, true story, about a missionary. He was a surgeon, and he had operated on this lady in this very poor village. And it was about three years later, he was in that area, in that village, so he wanted to go by and see the lady. When she saw him, he just she just went berserk. Oh, you know, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for you. You're the one who saved my life and all of that. And, of course, they as dirt. They were reliant upon their livestock to live. They had one angora rabbit and two chickens. And the rabbit, she would comb that rabbit Take the hair and spin it into yarn and she'd sell it to make a little money, and then the chickens would, would give them eggs and they'd eat there. Poor dirt. And of course, if you've ever been on a mission trip in a foreign country, when somebody says, You've got to eat with me, <laughs> you've got to eat with them. I just wanna tell you, if don't if you don't want to eat with them, don't you do, go on no mission trip because you got to eat with them. So he said, Okay, but I got about an hour and a half, I, I'll come back. So he went off did his other visit and he came back he said the first thing he did he walked over there in that corner of that little hut dirt floor and there's a little trench dug out there where the fire was and a pot st- on top of it there and he peeped over in the pop, pot to see what would, they were having for dinner and in that pot was one rabbit and two chickens they gave every, he said I just stopped and I just wept I just wept that they would give it all just so I could have lunch. Folks, when you come to John chapter 12, Mary is giving it all here. Now let me just notice first of all, she gave something very precious. Can you see her in her room rummaging around maybe in the hope's chest? (laughs) And uh, she, she, uh, she don't want Martha to see her. Martha's already peeled her hide once already because she's wasn't in the kitchen helping her already, so she's hiding from Martha, and she don't want to see Lazarus what he's gonna say either, but she finally finds it. It's it's that little box of alabaster, that ointment, and uh, it's it's about a year's wage. it's sacrifices. Verse five said this perfume may have sold for over three hundred denarii or 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 pence. Now, don't believe me. Let me tell you, Judas is a thief. When you look at a thief, he knows what things are valued at. And the thief here said that that's worth a year's wage, 300 days of wage. So it costs a good deal. Now, here's a question. I stayed awake off and on all night wondering about this question. And I think you ought to be able to stay awake too tonight. I want to ask you this question. That way, you can be awake too. She's got this box of ointment. Worth almost a year's wage. Her brother died just a few days before. Why didn't she put that ointment on him? I don't know. I just want y'all to worry about it. I, uh, that's all I, I. I have no idea other than the sovereign plan of God. That's all I can tell you. God's in it there. Uh, somebody earlier said maybe she had two. I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, she made a sacrifice for the Lord. And, and we need to ask ourselves this morning, am I, am I sacrificing anything for the Lord? Is, am I really doing anything? Sacrificing costs. She pours the whole thing. She doesn't say, well, I'm going to pour a little bit and I'm going to save some for myself. She pours it all. Everything. Imagine the stunned silence of that group. And... Uh, A year's income gave up something precious. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said if we're ever going to be made into wine we've got to be crushed. You cannot drink grapes. I'm thankful this morning God uses broken people. Amen? Many years ago I led a guy to the Lord that uh, was rough looking. My soul. He, he, He was a motorcycle guy and he was rough and he said, uh, I said, you come, we're going to baptize. I can't come to your church. Your people don't want me at your church. I said, sure they do. Sure they do. So he came, we baptized him and everything. About three weeks later, he said, preacher, remember when I told you that your people didn't want to be around somebody like me? He said, I about decided after meeting some of your people, I don't want to be around them. <laughs> See, the bottom line is probably most of us in this place are just dis- all of us in this place are dysfunctional. We've all got great problems. Thank God, though, he takes the brokenness and uses it. You see, you can't have a crop if you don't break the soil. Broken clouds produce rain. Broken grain gives bread. And broken bread gives strength. It was a broken perfume box here that had a fragrance that let off in the life of Jesus. It was the Apostle Peter who was broken after he denied the Lord three times there. He goes out and weeps bitterly, and yet because he's broken, God uses him more in the days after that than he did the days before that. The clear pattern teaches us that brokenness precedes greatness. Before Abraham became the father of many nations, he and Sarah were childless. They didn't have any children. Before Jacob could be blessed, he had an angel in a wrestling match that wounded him. Before Joseph ruled Egypt, his brothers sold him into slavery. Before Job's estate was doubled, he lost everything, including his whole family. Before Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he wandered around as a refugee fugitive for 40 years of his life. Consider the broken things. My favorite broken thing would have to be the army of Gideon. He's he's got thousands of men, and they've whittled it down to where there's only 300. And yet there's massive warriors against him. And you remember, they put that picture up there. And and when they all shouted, uh, they broke that uh, picture there and the light there and all the armies start turning against each other and here's old Gideon and his men, they hadn't even got one of them been shot at yet and they wipe out the whole crowd. God uses broken things. He uses this broken box of Mary here. He uses the broken bread of a little boy that's got some some bread and some fishes to feed 5,000 men plus women and children but the greatest thing he uses who is broken is his son Jesus Christ broken on Calvary for my sin and your sin? Wow, is some self-righteous sarcasm going on here? Judas Iscariot is the one, and uh, he's saying, "Why didn't we sell this for three hundred denarii? And, and uh, you know it could have been given to the poor." I had a guy last week tell me this. I see a preacher where y'all built that big new children's building. I said, yes, sir, we did. Finally got in it. We dedicated it. If you remember, we dedicated it one Sunday, crammed in like sardines. The next one, we were all thinking everybody's got COVID and nobody could be near each other. We forgot to tell everybody that the week before. And then we've been out of it there. And then finally, we're back into it. He, and he asked me, he said, Preacher, do you know how many people could be fed if you didn't use that building? build that building. I said, so let me give you some good news. We built that building and we're still feeding people. I want to tell you, <laughs> listen. Anything you do for the glory of God, somebody is going to sarcasm and be cynical about it. Anything you do. I guarantee you, I wish we had time this morning if we could just wander one by one over there through that preschool area there where they're singing about Jesus and then get up in that wild, chaotic area up there where those probably 80 children are up there having children's church this morning. Christy told us last week at Children's Choir there were more than 60 uh, uh, kids. That's the school-age kids. She said, uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do uh, uh, chaos that's, that's not organized I can do organized chaos, but not regular chaos. And so, hey, that, that building is going to reach people in the future that we never dreamed possible. It's going to be for the glory of God. So the sarcasm's there, and then Jesus comes back and scolds them and says, Leave her alone. Leave her alone. There's always going to be that. Mary brought her offering, and it was precious to her and uh, doing something extravagant like that is the normal thing when you fall in love with Jesus. If I hear one more Baptist tell me, you got to count the cost, I'm going to (laughs) spit. Now, I know we need to count the cost. We need to not be foolish. But let me just give you a little history on this. You should have counted the cost before you got saved. Because when you get saved, according to this book, you're dead. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So I'm just telling you, if the Lord says you do this, it don't matter what it costs. Quit worrying about what it costs. Just follow the Lord. And that's what Mary does. She's not worried about what's going to happen next week or or three weeks from now or two months from now. She's in love with Jesus and she wants to worship Jesus and she takes the most precious thing to her and she pours it at his feet. Mm. She did what she could, Mark says. She did what she could and it made a difference. Wherever, Can you just believe this? Wherever he moved that whole week, that fragrance was there. I mean, they go into Passover in the upper room and then just stop saying, What's that smell? It smells like perfume. That's, that's that fragrance Mary poured out. And then they go on over to the Garden of Gethsemane. Can you imagine the guards walking up and saying, Well, he's got to be here because we smell that fragrance. And then, then they go over to Herod's hall and oh, Herod says, What is that smell? It's that fragrance. Everywhere he went, that fragrance. They go to Pilate's porch out there, patio, and there's that smell. Even in the cruel hands of those who are casting lots for his own clothes, there's that smell. Every crack of the whip, Mary's gift was remembered. Every time a nail was driven in his hand, Mary's gift was remembered. Love was felt. You say, preacher, what does the Lord expect from me, he expects you to do what you can do. I remember many years ago, just like it was yesterday, it was one of those, you know, Kodak moments. I was frying pork chops and Barbara Walters was interviewing Dr. Billy Graham. And I'm sitting there listening, frying the pork chops And she asked Dr. Billy Graham on a national interview if there's anything he'd like that he didn't think he'd get. And he said, there's only one thing. I would love to hear my Savior say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but I don't think I'm going to. And I just turned the fire off. I said, well, we're all doomed. (laughs) I mean, if Billy Graham's not going to hear God say, well done, there ain't no chance in the world that I'm going to hear it. And then I discovered something. God's not going to hold me accountable for what he blessed Billy Graham with. God's going to hold me accountable for what he blessed me with. I'm not going to have any problem talking about tithing. When we married, my wife was tithing 60%. I said, babe, we don't do that in the Baptist church. (laughs) That's got to go in savings. I mean, that uh, we just don't do that. And, uh, I'm not going to have any problems standing before God. you know what my problem is? I believe that God's going to say, what would you do with that other 90%? Because, mm. see, it all belongs to God. I mean, we have agreed on that, haven't we? It all belongs to God. So what are we going to do? Listen, God is not the IRS. Now, don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a blessing to you. When you write out your check and it says 100.32, go ahead and round that thing up to 101. <laughs> God's not the IRS. Now, if you're doing the IRS, you, you take it down to 100. But this, God's not the IRS. We're to be given, when we fall in love with Jesus, it makes a difference in how we worship. She gives the precious. William Barclay, second thing here, Mary gave something personal. It represented something that was treasured for years, held back for the right occasion there. And when she poured that costly oil out on Jesus, she was in fact saying, Lord, I'm giving you my best. I'm not giving you my leftovers, I'm not giving you the scraps, I'm giving you my best. I'm giving you the best that I've got. William Barclay in his commentary says this on that passage, love does not neatly calculate the less or the more. It's not concerned to see how little it can decently give. If it gave all it had, indeed if it gave the whole world, the gift would still be too little. If you gave everything you got to the Lord, it still wouldn't be enough. Would not be enough. There's a recklessness in love that refuses to count the cost. I mean, you, you, some of you parents now, you've grown where you, this is probably not happening in your kids. So I'll transpose that and put it in the grandkids. They pretty well can get anything they want. Why is that? Because you love them. You don't count the cost. You just do it. What a contrast we've got here. Mary is a giver, and Judas is a taker. Mary is a memorialist, and Judas is the materialist. (laughs) And You know what's amazing to me? Judas criticized Mary for wasting money, and Judas ends up wasting his whole life. Boy, if we're not careful, we're good at pointing out what others ought to be doing when we need to be looking at ourselves. I love Jesus, but preacher, it's just too far to drive to your church. Well, go to another church then. I had one a couple of weeks ago tell me that he couldn't come to church here because there were too many people. I said, come sit on the front row and never look back. That's all you got to (laughs) do. Good grief. I don't understand this. We're saying, oh, how we love Jesus. If we love Jesus, let me ask you something. Where's your box at this morning? Where's your box at? Bill Borden in the early 1900s, graduated from Chicago High School. Popular, single, good looking, handsome, multimillionaire. Heir to the Borden dairy product, everything. He was on a worldwide tour and he listened to his pastor. His pastor at Chicago was from Moody Church, R.A. Tory, And he was preaching a five-week revival over in England. And Borden went to the meeting and heard Tory preach and when they were singing, I surrender all, Borden decided that God wanted him to give up everything, walk away from it, become a missionary. He called his mother, and she said, are you you sure about this? He said, Mom, I've written in my Bible two things, no reserves, no retreats. Give it all up. Worth $40 million. He left America, got back, left America, stopped over in Cairo, Egypt, on his way to China to be a missionary. Got a disease and died in Cairo, Egypt, 25 years old. When his mama got his Bible, she saw where he had written that. No reserves, no retreat. And then she saw underneath it where he wrote another one. No regrets. No regrets. Man, I want to tell you, I remember J.C. Penney standing in front of a college that he had built. And it was during the Great Depression. And and the guy looked over at J.C. Penney because Penny had a philosophy: you live on the ten percent and give ninety percent to God. Built many buildings. Laterno the same way out here. Uh, but anyway, he looked at J.C. Penny and said, "Man, don't you wish you had some of that money back now?" In the Great Depression, you're broke. He said, "Oh no." He said, "Everything I gave away, God's still using. Only what I kept is what I lost." Hmm while Jim Elliott said this, he's no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me give you this last thing. Mary gave something precious, she gave something personal, and then she gave something priceless. Truly I say to you, whenever, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, mm, of significance, she said it's going to be spoken in memory of her When love expresses that. You see, her reputation's on the line here. Uh, She doesn't care. She doesn't care what anybody else has done. She's wrapped up in the moment. She's letting it all hang out. She's letting her hair down. She literally is so in love with Jesus and worshiping Jesus, she don't care about anybody else. None of that makes any difference. There's a disconnect somewhere, folks. I know it's getting quiet. (laughs) But there's a disconnect when the report comes out this week that 80% of all Americans profess a faith in God and in Jesus Christ. And out of those 80%, they average giving 2% to the link to the kingdom's work. Now, I know they're not talking about any of y'all. But in the average church, 2%. And then we've got the audacity to stand up and saying, Oh, how I love Jesus. William and Mary Tanner were crossing a railroad track and uh, she got her foot wedged in a crosswalk there under a tie and couldn't get it out. Train coming. True story. Train saw it and was hitting his brakes but there was no way that train was going to stop. Mary said, William, get out of here. Leave me. Leave me. Get out of here. He wouldn't. He stood right there in front of her. Trying to protect her. The people standing on the side said, as that train went over them in horror, just before the engine hit them, they heard William cry, I'll stay with you, Mary. Let me ask you something. Now I know we're thinking, boy, times are tough. This pandemic let's get real for a moment even in the midst of this pandemic we hadn't lost a great deal you say oh yeah there's people out of work I know there's people hurting there's people hurting all the time but I'm just wondering the way that our world is going five years from now will we still be with Jesus if he doesn't come back before then in the midst of all the storms and all the winds and all that, will we still say, Lord, I'm going to be with you. I'm not backing up. I'm not quitting. I'm not laying down. I'm not giving up. I'm going to be with you. This man was unable to save his wife, but his devotion never faltered. I'm afraid sometimes our devotion is like the high tide and the low tide. Up and down, up and down. Let me close with this illustration. Many of y'all I know are literate, far more than I am. So you've read The uh, Gift of the Magi, B.O. Henry's short story. But let me just refresh part of it for you. Jim and Della, they're newlyweds. We've got a Jim and Della here. Uh, but Jim and Della are newlyweds. And uh, they're very poor. It's Christmas. And uh, she wants to buy a special gift. But she's got cents. That's it. So she decides she's going to one of these beauty salons. She's got long hair, and she's going to have her hair cut. And they did, and she got $20 for her haircut. So she goes out. She knows just what she wants to buy, Jim, for Christmas because his daddy gave him a gold watch, and his daddy had owned that gold watch, and his daddy had owned that gold watch. So it was a special, special gold watch. And she wanted to buy him a watch chain to go with that gold watch, and she did looked at find the right one he comes home that afternoon and he gives her his present first he's got two beautiful tortoise combs to go in her hair only thing is her hair has been cut and he thought well the hair it, it'll grow back out I'll be able to use them it'll grow out no problem and then she remembers her gift, so she leaves and runs into the room to get the gift that she got for Jim, and she presents that gift to Jim, that beautiful watch chain that she's gonna use, that he's gonna use, only to discover that Jim had sold his watch to buy the combs. That's what sacrifice is all about. That's what it's all about. Preacher, what do you want me to give I don't want you to give anything the Holy Spirit of God doesn't tell you to give something don't give you say well what do you think the Holy Spirit tells me he wants me to give I think the first thing the Holy Spirit would say is I want you to give yourself see it's not the gift it's yourself what are you giving to Jesus maybe today the first step of getting that is to be saved maybe you're here this morning you've never trusted Christ Christ You can't give him something until you give yourself. Would you be willing to come and say, Look, I I don't understand all this, but I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't save myself, and I want Jesus to save me this morning. According to what I read in my Bible, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved this morning. Maybe this morning God wants you to become a member of this church. Maybe this morning God just wants you to come to this altar and share. Maybe he wants you to take your wife or your children by the hand and come and just share with them and just let them know, hey, I want to give everything to Jesus, everything. Father, we're grateful today that you see fit to let us worship you one more time. Lord, I pray in this room, God, I know there are those that need to be saved. I know there are others in this room that they need more than anything else just to come to an altar and to confess their sin and you forgive them and cleanse them. And they can get up and walk out of here, Lord, with their head lifted up. Lord, whatever needs to happen in these next few moments, would you have your way? Would you just do what you want to do? And Lord, we'll be thankful for everything you do and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together? As Brother Eric leads us.